Hello to all our absent-minded friends. Do you have your drinks ready? If so, welcome, and thank you for joining us here on the Green Hour with Dan and Jerry. I'm Jerry, and while I'm recording this intro on June 7th, 2020, what I'm editing together for you right now is a retro episode originally recorded in or around September 28th, 2011. I'm not sure what's on it, because I haven't listened to it yet, so we're going to find out together. Right now it's 84 degrees in my studio, the fan is running, the ice maker is going, and I'm sipping on an ice-cold louche glass of Esprit Edouard. So, let's see what was happening back in late September 2011. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another day. <laughs> you know, just when I got used to you not doing the funny voice last week, now you throw in the funny voice again. I didn't even get through it. I know. <laughs> Neither did I. What goes <laughs> Hello and welcome. I don't even know what that voice is. I just like doing it. I would like to talk like this all the time. That's very uh, uh, cockney of you. <laughs> so to speak. Are you being fresh? No, <laughs> I'm not. Well, stop. Right. He said cock. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I heard they're bringing them back. I don't know anything about it, but I heard that Beavis and Butthead are coming back. Yes, they are. I thought they uh, were dead. No, well, they were for a while. And then, <laughs> so of course, gonna be you zombies. Know, <laughs> that could be interesting. That, that could be very interesting. Beavis and Butthead Zombies, the zombie show. Oh, man, could you even imagine? You know, um, before we get started, I want to do a shout-out and thank our friend Brad, because I keep forgetting to thank him, and he's constantly sending stuff for the show, and I'm constantly forgetting to include it. No, you, we thanked him last week. Did we? Yeah, I'm almost positive we did. Well, I want to thank him again. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Brad. I'm pretty sure he listens, because otherwise, why would he be sending things to us? He just could be stalking us, for all I know. That's fine. Stalking is not bad. It is not a bad thing. What is listening, if not just stalking, in one sense? (laughs) That's a good point. It's kind of like passive stalking. Yeah, and so it's like everybody who has a show is, is craving to be stalked. You know what? That's actually true if you think about it, because if you like are planning your life around a show, you're basically stalking the people on that show. I know. And so so you're you're uh oh. What happened? Well it looks like um they want to start my other podcast. I thought it wasn't until seven. <laughs> what that they know we do this always at uh I know. Well Oh, uh, I'll tell him I'm not available. <laughs> tell him you're you're a very busy man. One podcast intruding on another. You, you're like a uh, podcast millionaire. <laughs> you're like the gazillionaire of podcast. What? Wait, oh, oh, that's weird. I just received three. No, th- these are messages from like last week, and I just got them now. Wow. They were in a buffer somewhere. So they were sent from the future. <laughs> 
Or from the past. From the past to the future. Wow. Kind of like what we do. Yes, which is very frightening. <laughs> Speaking of past to the future. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me read my, my uh, thing here. All right. Read your thing. Okay, I'm going to read my thing. Actually, I posted this to Google+. Plus. On Thursday, police pulled over and cited a gang of subatomic particles who call themselves neutrinos for breaking the universal speed limit. Authorities familiar with the matter state, 186 miles per second, it's the law. They vow to investigate this matter and try to prevent offenses of this type in the future. (laughs) Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, apparently, um, over at CERN... um, you know that big uh, accelerator where they right. spin the particles around a high... Oh, right, 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 right. They yes. were clocking neutrinos going significantly over the speed of light. Seriously? Yeah, and so they're like, what the hell? What the hell? They're not supposed to do that. So... So they find them? <laughs> yeah, so they find them. You know. Wow. So they can't go past the... Or the or no, nothing the, is supposed to go faster than the speed of light except for the theoretical particles called tachyons. I believe that's what they're called. And we've never detected those. They're just theoretical. Wow. In theory. Yeah. And I, and if in, and really smart people out there, if I get this wrong, please, please correct us or correct me. Um, they only appear to be going faster than the speed of light because they're actually going backwards through time. So when you go up to the speed of light, time stops. If you go faster than the speed of light, you're going backwards through time. I feel like I should be drinking right now. <laughs> well, why don't you? I hear you've got a new absinthe to try. I do, actually. I do. Well, let's, let's uncork well, that baby. Let me, let me tell you the story of how okay. I found it. Okay. So um, I was going to my friend uh, Rich's house uh-huh. because uh, uh, he was having some friends over for poker, right? So fortunately for me, it's right down the street from one of my favorite uh, wine and spirit haunts, High Time Cellars. And so I went in there just because I had about Appropriately a... named. I know, dude. It's hilarious. They're just waiting for legalization. Oh, you know they are. I mean, but this is like, it's pretty much, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this before on the show, but it's it's kind of like the mecca for every possible vice with the exception of sex and drugs. They've got a cigar. And, and that, that comes afterwards anyway. Well, yeah, maybe out in the parking lot. I don't know. But they have a, they have a cigar uh, area, which is humongous. They have a city block long underground wine cellar. They have more hard spirits than anything I've ever seen, and they have a wine-tasting bar. And when I went in there on Friday, the place was absolutely packed with uh, uh, men and women downstairs uh, having absinthe or having absinthe. I wish they were having absinthe uh, wine and all that stuff, so I made my way over to the absinthe section and found uh, found a couple bottles of, of stuff I didn't uh, – I've never tried before, so it's oh. very exciting. Had you seen them before but never tried them, or are these like brand new to science? I had heard of uh, the one that I picked up but never had the opportunity to, to try it. Uh, it's uh, Pierre Francois. Oh. I don't I've know if you've ever it. heard. So it's a Swiss absinthe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on the bottle, of course, we can believe everything on there. It says, uh, neutral spirits distilled with herbs, uh, Val de Travers, Switzerland. So it's got to be good. It's only 110 proof, though, so it's uh, fairly light. Um, it is a product of Switzerland, and I've heard good things about this, so let's... Um, All right. Let's, let's, let's pop the cork and, and see what we've got here. Let's see if I can... Is it... it okay, is it... Is it uh, do you need a... a a corkscrew? A cor- <laughs> I was going to say a wine decorkeroo. A wine <laughs> decorkerino. A wine decorker. Do you uh, have the wine decorker? Or is it? Or is it? Um, is it got a handle for the cork? No, it's, well, it's got it- a little. Yeah, it's got a little thing on top for it. Yeah. So you can actually remove it. So let's see what we got. There we go. Ooh, like that sound. It's, yeah, it's kind of like one of those pop guns as a kid. Let's take a smell. Smells like, wow! Smells like um, teen absinthe. <laughs> it does smell like teen absinthe. No, it's got kind of a. Um, it has kind of a Kubler smell, which ironically, because Kubler comes from, yeah. Switzerland. So, very nice, very, um, very light. I think that's because of the low alcohol, but it's got a, a really nice uh, anise smell. I'm going to take just a little sip of it straight to see what, what's going on here. Hold on. I'm drinking straight out of the bottle. It's going to look like an alky. Thank God it's not a video podcast. Uh, but you just told everybody, so now we have it in our mind's eye. Wow. Good wow. stuff? That is really good. Ooh. That low, the low alcohol uh, really makes it easy to drink. Hmm. Straight, which is kind of frightening. Mm-hmm. All right, let me throw a little bit in this glass here. Let's see. So so what was the price point on this? Dude, th- that's the best part. So go, go ahead and guess. 750 milliliter bottle, imported, 110 proof. I'm guessing by by your um, the joy in your voice, I'm going to guess it's about $44. $29.95. Holy mackerel. I am not kidding. I If this uh, turns out to be as good as... Oh my God! The floral on this when it hits the water. Good Lord! All right, let me let me let me give it a taste and see what the story is here. It luches up really nice too. By the way, I, I just very very little water in it. I haven't even poured any water into it. It's just from the ice, uh-huh. and it already went like a real creamy white. Wow, it's beautiful. It smells really good. Let's see how it is. Oh my, dude! This happy man—that—that that is. I'm just gonna say this: uh, for thirty bucks for a bottle, I am gonna get my ass back down there and buy uh, a few more. I'm gonna start looking for it up here then. Wow, Pierre Francois, P E R E F R A N C O I S. Take a take a camera phone picture of the label and send it to me, and I'll put it on the. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I will. Oh, I'm sorry about the the crappy job I did on posting the last episode out on our... I I didn't know I was going to be gone next weekend, or last... Next weekend? Last weekend, I thought I had all weekend to, like, you know, work on it. And I didn't. Suddenly, I was somewhere else. And so, I had to do it from the road, and I just just posted. And so, none of the stuff I promised to put up was up. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm sure our, our listeners understand. Well, if, if they go to our Facebook, 
Yeah. <laughs> Everything's already up there anyway. I know. It, you it, might as well just like turn the website off and just <laughs> post straight on Facebook. What's wrong with these people? So here's here's something. I, uh, while you're while you're enjoying that, yes. In my Google Plus uh, Sparks uh, search, up popped a um, interesting, well, a charming, um, I'll say, uh, article by Melanie Miners. I'm sorry, Melody, if I'm uh, uh, saying your name wrong. But anyway, it's called A Girl's Guide to Drinking Absinthe. Oh, wow. And she goes through and she like you can, she properly describes how to prepare it, to give some good background on it, um, uh, gives gives everyone the death in the afternoon cocktail mix uh, recipe. And but but unfortunately, she gets something wrong in her second paragraph. She Uh-oh. states, what does she say? The variety that can be bought here in the States doesn't contain Thujone, the product in Wormwood that the drink's hallucinogenic properties and holy psycho spells are attributed to. Melody, that is incorrect. That uh, is and, incorrect. And I'm wondering where the heck, because, I mean, it's not just her. I, I, I get that on when I read news articles. Oh. Where are they getting this information? So, you see, this is this is the problem. Basically, what they're saying is they're probably getting it second or fourth hand mm-hmm. uh, because that was the problem when it was outlawed. It was like uh, you couldn't have anything that had oh, what was the uh, what was the limit? It was like point eight or something. Yeah, point seven or point six or something uh, thousands. Yeah, or yeah. per thousands of uh, of Thujon, and uh, absolutely just not true. The stuff that uh, is here now, yes, are there some? Yes, there are some that don't have. Uh, yeah, and those those are not considered real it's absinthe. Not absinthe. It's like a it's a pastis. It's so. A so, uh, Melody, I'm I'm going to actually I'm I'm addressing her directly because I'm going to post on her her blog here that uh, that we're talking to her. Yeah. Um, Send her the site. We we love you and we'd love to have you on the show. It, it's it's a great site, but here's here's the thing. Okay, real absinthe from way back when only had a little bit of Thujon in it. Right. They have since found when they've recreated it and they're remarketing it, this modern absinthe contains no less, and in some cases more, Thujon than was in the traditional absinthe. Right. The absinthe that, that would make people crazy and 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 cut their ears off and stuff is usually or or probably always knockoff uh, absinthe that was made wrong back in the day uh, cheaply and with the wrong kind of alcohol that is was poisonous and it had nothing to do with the Thujon. Right. And one of the things, too, when um, uh, that I had read when, when Ted was reverse uh, engineering mm-hmm. uh, absinthe for uh, when he was creating Jade is that one of the things he discovered was that the absinthe that he was getting, and these were like pre-banned bottles mm-hmm. of, of absinthe. They were way less than what we're saying is the cutoff limit for uh, Thujon. They were like in the in the fours, four to six uh, yeah. parts per thousand. Uh, it's just crazy that people still have this. I, in fact, I got into an argument at this uh, uh, restaurant called the La Creperie or something. It was like a French bohemian place. And, you know, everywhere I go, I always ask if they have absinthe. And she said, uh-huh. no, well, we can't have that here. And I said, well, you know, it got legalized. And she goes, 
She goes, no, you know, my, our boss is a lawyer, and, and she said that uh, they can't have it because it's illegal. And I said, no, it was legalized uh, four years ago. You can go down to, you know, uh, BevMo and pick up, pick up a bottle or two. And she goes, no, we can't have it here. And it's like, no, you can't have it here. No, it's illegal. It's going to kill you. It's like like that woman that you ran into at the Trump Hotel. Like, uh, she oh, thought yeah, you yeah, were asking like, for plutonium. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing, and, uh, and I got this from that, that – film about the history that uh, that we featured on a couple podcasts ago is that when Ted Bro was looking back in the records he found that absinthe actually was never illegal right that was the thing when it was <laughs> never illegal they just I know nobody the, was it was it was frowned on it was nobody one would of those it. it was one of those things that started out because nobody can find a piece of paper saying saying it's illegal. Where is the law that passed down that it was illegal? It, it was never. It was. It was illegalized in Canada. It was illegalized in many parts of Europe, but it was never officially illegalized here. It just fell out of fashion. See, that's the thing that's that's funny because we actually, um, when we were submitting bottles mm -hmm. to the ATF to get approval. Um, with, we kept getting them kicked back, you know, saying, you know, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, and and so finally, uh, the guy, our guy, who was sort of the um, the chemist of our company, wrote a letter and he said, you know, uh, out of curiosity, can you point me to the actual law that says that absinthe is illegal? And he did this like nine times. We sent in a total of I think eight bottles mm -hmm. to the ATF to get for approval, and mm -hmm. nobody could nobody could produce anything. They couldn't find, they couldn't find, or they couldn't, they just, no, nope, it's illegal. We know that. <laughs> and, and then Ted Bro paid the, off the right person. Well, <laughs> no. I, I don't want to say anything about nothing on that. It's like, <laughs> but let's just say somebody, uh, have you ever had the most money to get a lobbyist or somebody? Yeah, yeah, well, actually, that's what I meant. Yeah. He so, paid the right person to lobby in the right place. Yeah, that's the. Uh, well, the guy's a pro. Yeah, no, I, and, and Jade and, is awesome. God bless him. Uh, I love what Ted does. I think Ted's amazing, and you know he truly paved the way to uh, to get it legalized again. So thank you, thank you, Ted. I could have been a millionaire now. I'm not bitter. <laughs> you still can be. I, I just, still think we should come out with Bombardier Absinthe. I get back into that company that you own ten percent of and crank it out, man. I think we could, and we could. Uh, the, it could be Bombardier Absinthe, unleash the battle fairy in you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still think that's got potential. It's got huge potential. Battle, battle fairy. fairy. <laughs> Get Metallica to record the commercial. It'll be a really punked out green fairy. Would with, with tats. Yes, you have to have tats. Yeah, a tat fairy. <laughs> That's Tinker like, Tinkerbell with with uh, razor blades. Kind of like Tinkerbell meets Wendy O. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got a question. Oh, oh. Uh, from our good friend uh, Lori. Oh, okay. Hi, Lori, Lori says, yeah. Lori says, uh, still haven't tried absinthe. Well, what the hell? What's taking you so long? Uh, is it more of a summer or winter beverage, and does it lend itself to holiday recipes such as abnog? <laughs> Nice. Well, it is green, so it goes with Christmas. Yeah, so think of anything that you could have a slight licorice taste to 
absinthe would be fine. I've heard of absinthe cookies. Um, I've heard of absinthe, uh, well, for sure, like absinthe on uh, Oysters Rockefeller. Um, yeah, so you can you can do it and, and just Google uh, absinthe recipes. It is it more of a summer or winter beverage? You know what? It's it's a all year long beverage as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. That's... Any day that ends in a Y is fine for <laughs> So the slow death in the afternoon cocktail is good for summers, and there's all sorts of different uh, ways to prepare it for winters. Yeah, I wonder how it'd be with warm eggnog. I don't know. That's I, I don't think I would mix it with any kind of milk product. Probably no, not. Probably not. No, maybe not. But. But that doesn't mean it wouldn't go well. <laughs> it just well, means I didn't want to try it. Do a, do a shot of, of of absinthe before the eggnog, and you might be you might there be. There you okay. go. So yeah, so there you go, Laura. Yeah, drink it all year long. Uh, we've got another one. It's uh, more of a con. Uh, uh, it's not a question. It's a comment. Oh, who's this from? This is from Melanie. Oh, hi, Melanie. And Thanks she, for she, she asked. Oh, it is a question. Am I a bad cat mommy for getting my kittens fixed? They gave me the. E2 Brute looks. Wow. Um, well, mm. you know, Bob Barker of uh, The Price is Right has always been a fan of spaying and neutering. What? And you did not know this? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were going into some sort of joke. Oh, no. This is a truth. This is, okay. uh, this okay. is a tr- true statement. He's a huge fan of that. And it's like at the end of every uh, Price is Right when he was the host before Drew Carey uh, took over. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to say, remember to uh, spay and neuter your pets. Well, I, I think uh, even though they don't understand what happened to them, obviously it's better for them. If well, they know what be, happened to them. Well, no, because they don't, they don't really understand. Well, wait a minute, dude. Seriously, let's say you go to sleep and you wake up and you're in a, a tub full of ice <laughs> with your nuts cut off. You're a cat. You don't know what the hell is going on. You know something happened. You still uh, feel certain dries, but you don't feel some other ones. But you're a kitten, so you don't know what you're supposed to be feeling. And there is no book to tell you or TV show because there's no written language. They don't really know. I don't know. And they live indoors, not in their natural outside environment. But they have a lot of TV. They they like watching uh, things that dangle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Boy, that, that this question took a hard left. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, so if if there's something on TV that dangles like string or yarn or testicles, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> you went there. I'm just saying, if you're fixed to your cat, the cat's going, "Hey, I used to have those." Well, but then again, what's a cat doing looking at testicles on your TV? <laughs> you might might want to rethink your uh, programming package from. Uh, from cable. What what are testicles doing on your TV anyway? I don't know. There you why go. Is, That's the real question. Why is the cat watching that? No, I, I don't think it was a bad cat mommy thing to do. I think it was a very responsible cat mommy thing very to do. Very responsible. Melanie, thank you for actually saving. By preventing the lives of kittens, you have actually saved the lives of kittens. Yeah, you know, in a weird, in a weird sort of yeah. TARDIS way. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a Ray Bradbury. No, no, in a way, it was retro, the retroactive way, I guess. Yes. You, right. You've like, retroactively saved something from being killed horribly by preventing from living in the first place. Wait a minute. And, okay. Um, moving on. 
what about those giant snails? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I posted that like uh, probably just a few minutes after uh, we had recorded. I know. And it was very, uh, very disturbing because at first I thought it was like a Photoshop joke. Yeah. It was not a Photoshop joke. Those were real snails that I apparently, according to the... Uh, NPR. NPR will eat through the stucco of your home. Yeah, uh, the, for for the listeners who are uh, have not been watching your our Facebook, uh, Miami has been invaded by giant house eating snails. It's not quite as um, dramatic as that. They're not like fifty feet tall and eat entire houses. But what they are are about it looks like about the size of a baseball. Yeah, they'll eat the stucco right off your house. I know. Is that just because they have like? Um... But also they have some sort of. They carry some. I, I forget because I, I haven't read this in a in a week. But they carry some sort of disease, and you don't want to touch them. What the, the big snails? Yeah, the big snails. I and, did not know. That. And and there and there on the, in the picture is someone holding two huge ones in their hand. Right. Well, that's I what think. I was wondering. I mean, he was oh, holding. Oh, wait, them. Wait, oh, he's got a he's got a surgical glove on. Oh, he does. Okay, let's see. Oh, see, I thought he was doing the the uh, Humphrey Bogart thing, like. Uh, yeah, the, I only had one spoonful of strawberries. That's what I was doing. What was that movie? Um, Mutiny. Mutiny. Uh, on the Bounty. Mutiny on the... Was it Mutiny on the Bounty? Wasn't it? Or was no. it just the Bounty? Or, no, that was uh, Mel Gibson or somebody. Well, they uh, they harbor the microscopic rat lung worm, which can transmit meningitis to humans, and they will literally eat your house. Wow. In the state of Florida this week, in southwest Miami, to be precise, a small subdivision has been invaded by, by what, uh, Richard Gascala? By the giant African snail. It's uh, a very large land snail that is uh, an invasive species that is not uh, native to the United States. Wow. Uh, Ten inches long, apparently, four inches wide. Thousands of them are overtaking that neighborhood in Miami. Uh, apparently the most damaging land snails in the world, and Richard Giscala is the man trying to eliminate them. He's the director of plant industry at the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Uh, Sir Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you can go to NPR for more of that. <laughs> I'm not going to play the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So you could put the link up there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got another question. Okay. Uh, two of them, actually. The first one uh, from our good friend Jim McNear. Says, what's the answer to the economy? Um, minimal. I'll let you. I'll let you field this one. Minimalism. Stop buying things. Yeah. Well, that will destroy the economy, but it'd be good for you. <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? I, I would think that, um, in all honesty, there has to be some sort of um, public backlash to what's going on in Washington, and I would just say. That uh, we could almost do kind of like a Boston, you know, they've had all this, the Tea Party stuff where people go and they stand around and protest. That Protesting means nothing. You know, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get on a, a soapbox here, right? Well, if you're a bunch of passive girls, you'll get fenced off and maced for no reason. Well, that is, that happened on Wall Street? Was that yeah. what it Yeah. And the second question Jim has, uh, does Dan do or not do a toupee? Um that's an easy one to answer. I do not do a toupee. Unless it's a bald toupee. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bald skinhead cap. Not skinhead like neo-Nazi. He wears a, a rubber swim cap to work. <laughs> yes. Actually, you know, Jim, I shave my head uh, every other day. I'm a big fan of uh, 
of uh, the products over at Headblade. And I'll make sure I tell my friend Mac that we're talking about him uh, on the air. Um, but yeah, I shaved my head uh, using a head blade and all their products, and I am actually uh, quite fond of my uh, slick dome. Now well, that all, sounded nasty, didn't all, it? All you gentlemen out there, he is talking about the head that sits on top of his body. Please don't shave any other head on your body. No, no that would be bad. <laughs> Boy, that would wow. Well, imagine you that you had to porn novel or something. I'd hate to meet a person who had to shave there. Oh, can um, you imagine? Dude, you're not supposed to use Rogaine as a masturbatory aid. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. But it may, I haven't used Rogaine, obviously. Um, well, you don't need it, do you? I could. I'm getting, my hair is getting really thin, but I'm just going to go ahead and go bald. I don't care. You should. Dude, I, I am. I'm, I'm the, the moment I get a bald spot, uh, the moment I get a little bald hair hairless monk cap on top of my head. I'm just going to do the same thing you do. Um, do it. I will. But, but while there's still hair there, I'm going to enjoy the hair. Um, where, where was I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> I was oh, Brandon, on the... Apparently you got to really be careful about getting on, on the wrong parts of your body because it will grow hair just about everywhere. Ooh, I thought that was a myth or something in a cartoon, but no, apparently and and you got to make sure to use the right sex of Rogaine because there's a male Rogaine and there's a female Rogaine. What? No. Knows, but yeah, there's Rogaine for men and Rogaine for women, and both of them specifically say if if you're a girl, do not use the men's version and vice versa because apparently it has something to do with hormones. Wow, I didn't know that. It's Google's birthday today. I know. I saw that. Thirteen years. Happy birthday, Google. I know. I can't believe it's only 13. You know, it, it's, doesn't it seem like it should be older than that? It seems like it should be at least 20. Yeah. Somebody posted today, they said, uh, uh, one of their students asked them, so what's an encyclopedia? And she, and she didn't even like that. I, she, he said, what's an encyclopedia? She was like a second, a second or third grader. Oh, oh, okay. So she said, uh, it's that thing we used to use, uh, before you had Google. <laughs> It was a manual Google. It was. It was analog Google. <laughs> analog Google. <laughs> it's called the Britannica. Um, oh, um, I was going to actually bring up something that I'd, I'd heard uh, on on, a, on Radio Lab, which was oh. really interesting. Well, please. And, and it uh, it got my mind like spinning in circles. There's a, a gentleman. Let me make sure I get his name right. His name was uh, is Robert Epstein. He's the former editor of Psychology Today. Back in 2006, he was freshly divorced and decided to go on um, on the internet on dating sites and um, you know see if he could hook up with someone special. And so he has a Russian background. All four of his grandparents are from Russia. And uh, so he didn't bat an eye when this uh, this girl contacted him, who was Russian and didn't speak very good English. Uh-oh. And um, they started this, this you know, long conversations, and uh, he felt a connection. And 
it just kept going. And right. like for, for after a, a month or two, and I'm, I'm probably completely paraphrasing, but I know it was like after, after two months, something fishy went on, but up to the point about two months, he was starting to say, you know, I could fly out to Moscow. I could be there. And he started naming dates, you know, and she wouldn't answer. She yeah. wouldn't answer that specific part of it. And so he would, um, she would say she was like going out, you know, walking with friends and stuff like that. And so he would ask about her friends and she wouldn't answer. She wouldn't uh, give any details about that. Hmm. And so he started to think, you know, there's something kind of wrong here. You know, I'm just, and, and then, you know, he'd noticed that, um, no matter what he wrote, her answers were kind of generalized. And, and so finally he, he did this. And I remember this guy. I forget exactly. He's he was the editor of Psychology Today, and he has a degree. I th I think it was in psychology, but also has something to do with computers. So he started writing when he would write or something. He would insert random nonsense words in <laughs> text. Completely didn't phase her. And in fact, I think she was like repeating them back or something. No, finally realized. All this time, and he'd already developed feelings for her and everything, he'd been chatting with a chatbot. No! He'd fallen in love with an artificial intelligence program. Wow! That some jackass had put out on the on the on a, a dating site with a picture of a really uh, comely woman. Wow! And so then, and if if I'm remembering the report correctly, uh, even after that, he. He, obviously, he abandoned that one. Um, months later, or maybe a year later, he was involved. He's starting to get interested, involved, and started chatting with another uh, woman. And then suddenly, it stopped on their side, and he got an email from someone who says, "I know you. Okay, um, you're, you're chatting with a bot. <laughs> oh, it was the programmer who had programmed that one." Oh my so God. he'd been pulled in twice. Now, are you are you familiar with the Turing test? The Turing test. Okay, no. there's there's this um, there's this test that if you can fool a person into thinking that that you're chatting with someone and it's indistinguishable from chatting with a real human being, you pass the Turing test. Wow. And, and so this. This bot obviously passed the Turing test, which means there is somewhere out there an AI program that is smart enough to be considered an actual, you know, intelligence. That's creepy. That is kind of creepy. But so I was thinking to myself, now, wouldn't it be cool to write a story where it's you're from the perspective of an AI program. Okay. Now we're, we're projecting, right. Okay. And this is going to have to be in the future. Or something. It really is a living, uh, a, well, a, a, a thinking feeling entity, but it's trapped in this box and it's right. craving, you know, interaction and stuff. And so it puts itself out on a, on a dating site to, to lure, so, you know, and you to just, you know, to connect with someone. I think that's a great idea. And he connects, or, it, or he or she connects with someone, and and they like develop feelings for each other, and that the say the artificial intelligence can actually feel, you know, or at least right. an analog to, uh, or a digital representation of it. I mean, to it, it is programmed to feel something, therefore it is feeling it, right? 
and then the person is asking, well, can we meet? And then it, it like panics and it's like, what do I tell it? I can't meet it. It thinks I'm a person. I mean, uh, it, I like how you how how the machine refers to humans as it. Yeah, really. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I just thought I'd throw that out there because no, that, that's a great that's a great idea. See, this is listener. This is why you should drink absinthe and write. <laughs> because uh, this is what happens. Uh, no, but that's a great idea. I think I think you should follow that. that I mean, and just you know, because the the whole the trauma, the situation, and. So they do meet, and, and the person has to walk in, and it's like someone's iPhone, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know? It's like this, uh, <laughs> this old Dell Optiplex computer in the corner. <laughs> it's, it's a Vax banger or something, <laughs> the <That> punch cards. <laughs> you should really write that. I think that would be, that would be fun. Oh, anyway, yeah. So I don't, I don't often get uh, short story ideas anymore, but... Uh, oh, but you should write that one down. I still think, uh, you know, we've this will be the third week we've mentioned it, but I think the Christian vampire story has, has legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens when a vampire becomes a... Or you know, a Christian becomes a vampire. Right. And and it's... Uh, it's, it's You could it, call it Crossroads. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> Crossfang. Crossfang. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend, I, I actually have another podcast that's going to start in four minutes, and they're going to start bugging me because I could see them all going wow. on. So let's uh, let's start wrapping it up. Well, let me leave you with uh, this this one thing. Uh, okay. This is to our uh, to our teenage listeners, which I know we really don't have any. Well, we might. I don't oh, know. No, no, I think we do. We do. All right. Well, teenagers, are you tired of being harassed by your stupid parents? Act now. Move out. Get a job. Pay your bills. while you still know everything? <laughs> there you go. Great, okay, okay. There go all our teenage listeners. Yeah, <laughs> that'll clear the room. Yeah, we're gonna get a chorus of "fuck yous" now. Yeah, I know. Well, like that's something new. <laughs> we get that every week. Yeah, but those are from our insurance investors. Yeah, that is true, and certainly not from the uh, Internet Squatters Association. Yeah, really. I squat. <laughs> I squat Therefore, you don't have to. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. We got another tweet. Uh, what? No, no, it isn't. It's not for us. Wah, wah. Kind of a slow uh, tweet day. Well, we got some questions. That was good. We got a couple. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good with that. Oh, oh. speaking of which, I'll, I'll just throw this out. Please. Um, when I was listening to that program, it was, it was on Radio Lab. They mentioned a bot that is supposed to be like really, really intelligent out there. And it's called cleverbot.com. You can just go log in and, and have a conversation with it. And so I had a conversation with it not too long ago. And uh, this is a snippet from uh, Cleverbot. This is, you, so, so this is an actual conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a conversation that okay. between me and the bot, the AI. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, because I, I, I keep forgetting some people don't know what AI means. It means artificial intelligence. Yes, it's not a sauce that you put on stage. <laughs> no, it's not, not like A1 sauce. Um, what is your favorite mint? It asked me. And I said, York Peppermint Patties. And it says, how old are you? And I said, I'm 50 years old. And it goes, really? And I go, yes. And it says, you should go to the doctor. <laughs> Swear to God, that was your whole conversation. No, that was that was a just a piece of it, but I just wow. thought that was worth sharing. You should go to the doctor. 
Good lord. Well, I guess 50 in, in uh, AI years is like a 130. And... Well, I asked it how old it is, and it says, I don't really know, but I think I'm three or four years old. That's what it said. That's a little bit creepy. I know. Now, now the interesting thing about this, and I know I'm dragging this out, but this bot wasn't programmed. This bot, this, this program started out, all it did was learn, right? It just had the ability to learn things. So it wasn't... It, it didn't have lines of code in it like the old Eliza program that said, if someone says this, then you say that. If someone says this, then you say that. No, it was like, it was empty. And the programmer said, hello, and it said, hello back. And then it knew the word hello. And then the programmer said something else. And it just kept building on this, right? And then he put it on the internet, and then millions of people are doing that. And so it's learning from every single conversation. It was not programmed. It programmed itself via learning. Wow. And so some of the things it says don't make sense because apparently people who were talking to it were being silly. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you'll say something and it goes, well, in the past when that happened, someone said this in return. And so it would say something completely off the wall. But So it would have a random sense of humor. Well, it does. It's It's got a very zippy the pinhead sense of humor. In fact, it's if you go in there expecting that you'll be greatly entertained do you have uh the link to that yeah it's claimbot.com can, can you can you put that on the uh on the site sure sure because i think people would like to do that c-l-e-v-e-r-b-o-t.com free okay. and and if you're if you're into it they've got an iphone ipad app and an android app wow which isn't free but has a little face which is kind of neat now what was that one uh, i saw this on I want to say 60 minutes or uh, something like that, where this this person uh, had this like AI project that they were working on. They actually had an animatronic head that looked like this woman who had passed away. Oh, but they had okay. recorded. Re, she had recorded like a bazillion different words. Yep, yep, yep. That was actually mentioned in this very same radio lab. Maybe I should post the whole thing because it's a podcast too. Oh. So yeah, I, I think so because it's very. I thought that was very interesting. It's like you could actually sit and have a conversation with this head. Well, you could, but it kind of goes a lot like the chat, the clever bot. <laughs> right. It has. I mean, it's still learning. Yeah, but but it the the, um, the the interviewer actually sat down and interviewed this bot or this this android. Right. This this um. Uh, Fembot, I guess you'd call it. Well, it's just a head. That was yeah. a scary. Thing. Well, it was. It was more than a head. It was a. It's a head in in torso. But oh, was it? I thought it was just a head, like in a box or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of another show. <laughs> I'm thinking of Reanimator. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm sorry. What an awesome movie that was. Oh, what uh, a great. Film. You know, they made a musical out of that, by the way. I know. <laughs> it just ended its run in Los Angeles, and I didn't get to see it. How sad. Um. So, so he was interviewing this, I mean, you know, we might be talking about different ones, but there, there's a, he was interviewing a woman or a female Android that was programmed to be exactly like someone. Wow. And, um, she launched in, they had this, 
you know, at, at first there was a lot of, you know, nonsense going back and forth and he was getting kind of frustrated, but then they got into this in-depth conversation and she started telling him about her brother and how he was messed up out of Vietnam. And then she just went on and on and on. And you could tell that they weren't connected sentences. They weren't a recording they right. were actually connected by the program into a conversation that all related to each other and was presented correctly and very poignantly, too, to the wow. point where he was like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. We're and not, she, we're not far lapsed. away, my friend. We are yeah. not far away. But then just you know, minutes later, she lapsed back into the zippy, the pinhead non sequiturs. Right. So... <laughs> But we, but honestly, I mean, and that's just the stuff that some guy did on the side, like in his own time. Yeah. That's not, we don't know what's going on. You know, I, you know me, I don't mean to be a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist or whatever, but like Area 51 stuff and all that. It's like, oh, I'm, no. I'm just saying there's stuff out there that they probably have going on that we would be blown out of the water by. Well, and we're just talking about artificial intelligences that know how to talk to people. There are some very smart things that don't bother to talk to you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know those those programs that um, that guide the, what are they called, the, the stealth bombs? The oh, stealth, right, right, right. That, you know, they just release them and they just go and they know where they're at. Those have got to be some scary, smart, artificial intelligence programs. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's – dude, and there's wacky stuff out there. Oh, and and think of it because it knows that it's, its whole purpose is to die. Right. It's like a kamikaze bot. Kamikaze bot. I like it. There you go. Why did they have to wear helmets, by the way? I don't think they – no. Oh, kamikaze so pilots did. It was to keep – they wore helmets and um, – and I uh, goggles because a lot of times they had their windows open and it would blow their, their hair into their eyes. Oh, cause I always thought that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, you're going to well, crash it, into a boat. I, I, know, I know, but also those, those helmets, you can't really see it, but they, they have built in earmuffs because those airplane engines were so incredibly loud. To, oh, yeah. so it was well, for the comfort of the, of the soon to be dead kamikaze pilot. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think it would matter. It's like, uh, I'll be drinking while I'm flying. Job. Because I, I know you try to set up a joke, and then I try to like... I did. <laughs> you gave me a serious I, answer. I, I, get, I give it a serious answer, and then I completely destroy your, your premise. We I'm had uh, the sad trombone music. <laughs> okay. I'd like to say a, say a prayer for my recently departed joke. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, um, let's give a shout-out to our good friend Lori, who... Um, yeah was the first to uh, tweet us today. Thank you, Lori. Uh, ever faithful listener you are. And he said in his best Yoda show host voice. <laughs> oh, thank you, we do. Yes. And uh, Jim, Jim McNair, as always. And, and uh, Melanie, who I'm about to join another podcast with. They're already talking. Yeah, ask, uh, ask her what she meant by her tweet. She sent me a tweet and said, you are one strange fellow, but I like that. And I have no idea what I tweeted to make her say that. So I okay. went back and looked and I couldn't figure it out. Jerry's typing. Um, why, why did you call Dan one strange fellow? Yes. 
And she's, oh, she's talking. She says, uh, why are we starting 715? She says, in order to give Jerry time to finish with slow death. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's called slow death for a reason. We don't do anything. Oh, oh she says, because I adore him, Jerry. Oh, well, I just want to know what tweet it was, because I, I blasted out like a whole bunch of tweets, and that was... Oh, uh, she, she doesn't know. She doesn't remember. Oh, she dislikes me. Yes. I have that effect on women and dogs. <laughs> and uh, and uh, chatbots. <laughs> chatbots. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is Jerry, the, the chatbot on this side of the phone, and uh, with me is Dan, the other chatbot, and we're... That would be the bat-chot. <laughs> bat-chot, and I guess uh, we're... Um, I'm going to like um, push the off button on this. Yeah, Jerry episode. has Jerry has to go away now. He's uh, cheating on us with another podcast. They consider it the other way around. You should have know. heard their reaction when they were like, you know, you're on another podcast. You're cheating on us. Well, dude, you're very um, you're a very popular podcaster. In my own mind. Uh, in this planet, anyway. I wonder what would happen if we podcasted for other planets. <laughs> just like send them out, like just got a rocket. And just, just, just randomly just beam them at another planet. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <could you imagine? laughs> this is Gentle Earth broadcasting for Torah Center. Centrine. Nine-legged, one-eyed thing sitting on a rock going, hey, I wonder when that next podcast is going to get here. <laughs> that was really funny. I don't know. I don't know what absent is, but I like those guys. Just like randomly sending sending iPods off in little rockets. <laughs> there you go. Can you imagine? Like the first five get there. Oh, it's another one of these candy bars. They suck. Mmm, <laughs> crunchy. Crunchy. Tastes like apples. <laughs> well aged. Oh my god. All right. Well, uh, go go uh, uh, go to your other podcast and okay. Um, I guess it's time to. Cue the music. Cue the music. Dun 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 on the absent show tonight. Thank you. Good night. Good night, man. Mr. T told me how to
let the naysayers nay. I don't care what they say. It's all jibber jabber anyway. And I pity the fool who cannot rhyme.
music you just heard was by Ott. It was called Mouse Eating Cheese. Before that, the lovely and talented Molly Lewis performing I Pity the Foo. And uh, starting the show was Pontelopilus by Scott Halgren. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time, thank you for joining us. So take care everybody. Bye. Hey, Jerry here. Since we don't have an official sponsor for this episode, I thought I'd throw this in instead. But first, let me set the appropriate mood. It was a dark and stormy night, and there I was, up in a treehouse, banging away at an old manual typewriter. Do you have any idea how hard it is to type on a manual typewriter up in a tree while it's raining? Oh, and did I mention the lightning? But there I was, typing away, while ravens circled around in the air, swooping down through the torrent and trying to snatch the wet pages right out of the typewriter. But I wouldn't let them. I fought them off. Get away from me, you bloody birds! Why? Because it was important. I had a story to tell. And while the typewriter didn't survive, the stories did, and you can read them in the safe, tranquil, storm-free dryness of your giant mansion on either a Kindle, 
a Kindle app on the device of your choice, or from the words imprinted on the remains of a long dead tree. Don't worry, the tree didn't feel any pain, as far as we know. The one I'm going to recommend to you, mainly because it has absinthe in it, is the novel All You See Is Light. There's three others in the series, and there's also a book of short stories. And if you're into true stories, there's one called All This in a Bucket of Toads. That one also has Dan in it. Yeah, I dug up a lot of dirt in that one. And toads. Don't worry, it won't give you warts, but you can find all of these on my personal website, cherryjdavis.com books. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. If you don't, they make perfect re-gifts, saving you money, and you can claim you know me. I'll vouch for you totally. And if you're just not into books, and you don't like to read, you can still pretend you do and go and give my books a good review on Amazon. Hey, there's as much karma in that as there is in just reading the book. It's a win-win. Meanwhile, I'll be up here in this tree writing the next book while I drink absinthe. Ouch! Ow! Curse you, Alfred Hitchcock! <laughs>